Hey, welcome Facebook Live. Welcome those that are watching online. We're so glad that you're tuned in tonight. I'm sitting with my friend, Pastor Stephen Furtick. We are stoked, night two of Victory Conference. And uh, this is also a Learning to Lead podcast where we talk about, for those out there that feel called in any way to step and to grow into their leadership of what God's called them to do. And we're gonna talk a little bit about that. Pastor Steven, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me back. This is my second time. Come on. I love this place. Come on. It's an atmosphere of faith, man. It's amazing. I've, I, feel, I feel excited. <laughs> Come on, man. Enthusiastic. We feel excited. How many of y'all feel excited out there? We're out in the lobby here. The line is crazy. It's wrapped all around the building. There's thousands of people out there hungry to get in, to hear a word from God, just to lean in and be in God's presence. Pastor Stephen, um, last year when you came and spoke, man, it was so powerful. It meant so much. That was my first time to meet you as you come in here. And I had so many questions for you. I wanted to learn. I wanted to soak in um, because you've impacted my life. And, you know, we talk about on this podcast about just leadership and learning from other leaders. And, you know, maybe, maybe just share a little bit on your journey. You started the church at what age? 25. 25 years old. <laughs> yeah. In Charlotte, North Carolina. In Charlotte, North Carolina with eight families. And Man. we moved to Charlotte and we didn't know anybody. And so we were really starting just with that foundation of faith, yeah. desperation, ignorance, stupidity. It's amazing how much God can bless somebody who doesn't know any better. You know, I think, I think sometimes our experience or our expectation becomes the enemy of what God can do. And so when you show up to something, like you were saying, with questions rather than answers, it opens your heart and your mind to receive from God in a way that you only can when you're, when you're humble. Wow. Yeah. Do you remember when you were starting going to conferences, maybe like this, standing in a line, sitting in the back of a room? Yeah. And uh, when you were there, when you were doing that, standing in that line, sitting in the back of the room, and believing in your heart, what were some of the things that you were wrestling with and now that you look back, that you would tell Stephen mm -hmm. at 25, 24 years old. Mm -hmm. You know, dreams that God gives us always look different in the distance. Yeah. And when you see something from a distance, you go, wow, wouldn't that be amazing? You know, you see the influence that someone's having, the impact that they're making, and you go, wouldn't that be awesome? But when you see the dream in detail, take the life of Joseph in the Bible for the example. You know, yeah. He's a great example of somebody who had a dream. But his dream looked much different when it came true than it did when he first saw it at age 17. When he saw it at age 17, he's like seeing himself as the center. Hey, listen to my dream. I was in the center and your sheaves of grain were bowing down to mine. But 13 years later, when his brothers came to him, wow. it was actually that he was in a position of service. Yeah. And it wasn't about position as much as it was about purpose. So I think sometimes when we look at something that's big, that looks amazing from a distance, it can cause us to despise where we are right now. Yeah. So if I was talking to, you know, Stephen, that was at Ed Young's conference in Dallas, Texas, C3 conference, yeah. 2005, you know. I, I might have been there. You might have been right <laughs> next to me. And we're sitting there and we're talking about this. I would just say that everything God is going to do next in your life is going to flow from what he's doing now. So don't try to use now as a way to what you think is next to be wholehearted about what's now 
and out of obedience in the areas where God has given you responsibility now, he can elevate your influence. However, I would also say, man, the, the journey is where the joy is. It's not some arrival point. I'm sure you feel the same way. There are certain things in ministry that you've experienced that you thought, oh, if I could ever experience that, and then you get that. And if that is your idol, it's empty. But if you're able to feel completely content where you are with what you have, then you can receive the blessing of what God has for you next. So I think it's so important. We don't want to become complacent. We want to look at things that are beyond us and pray about and dream about what God wants to do next, but not at the expense of gratitude and faithfulness and contentment in what he's doing right now. That's so good. The battle for contentment is always happening in my heart, my mind, just being content with where I'm at, what God's doing. And uh, we were talking back just back in the green room about um, the Enneagram and find, finding out who we are and finding out, you know, those different quirkiness and, and really coming to peace with who God made you to be. And uh, at the same time, there's a healthy side of that. And then if you're not focusing on that, it can become toxic. In your own life, I've, one thing I've always admired about you when I found you on Google uh, eight years ago, looking for young pastors to follow, and I started Is listening. Is that what you Googled, young pastors yeah, to follow? Yeah, <laughs> found Stephen Burdick and The Dip and the Purple People Eater uh, podcast messages. But one thing I've always admired is, you know, you push yourself, you, you challenge the church, you see a vision of where God wants to take you and, and all the things that have kind of led you to where God's brought you today. Do you feel like along that journey, that path, some of those leadership characteristics were already in you or did you feel like you had to grow in some of those and, and become some of the, like disciplined in this or or persevering in that, or skillful in that, or do you feel like it was natural for a lot of it? I think it unfolds in stages and in degrees. I think discipline only accentuates raw material that is already there. I think that what it does when you get exposed to somebody who pushes you or challenges or stretches the way that you think, it ultimately releases something that was already in you all along, but you didn't know it was in you. And so on one hand, I feel like certain things that God has taught me in this journey of being a pastor and what he continues to teach me, it feels very new. Like, wow, I didn't even know that that was a part of who I was. Some of it feels like I'm still wrestling with the same kid that picked up a mic to preach for the first time, the same kid that pastored a youth group of 15 kids in Monk's Corner, South Carolina, when I was 16 years old. I mean, I still feel very much like that same guy. But the development process often doesn't feel like development when it's happening. And what I mean by that is, God usually develops you more by your disappointments and disillusionment. And even sometimes God develops you through your own dysfunction. And you start to realize some of the stuff that I was trying to fix about me is exactly what God wants to use. Oh my gosh. And I was trying That's to develop good, things that actually had God's fingerprint on them. And that was unique to me. And it was my weakness that he was interested in using, not my strength. So I think when we talk about development, it's so important that we don't just westernize um, a concept that's very biblical. God does want to develop us, but he doesn't want to develop the weakness out of us. 
He actually wants to turn that into dependence, so we lean more into Him. And that's what He's been doing in my heart lately, is getting me to be at peace with even those parts of me that I think I need Him to fix quicker, and know that those are some of His favorite things about me. I don't mean we justify sin. I don't mean we sit around and refuse to improve. I don't mean we eat what we want, say what we want, sleep where we want. But I do mean we come to a place where development is not the end goal, dependence on God is. That's so good. That's so good. You know, I told you as well that one of my favorite messages you preached was the glitch that keeps giving along that line. What is, what is one of your favorite messages you've ever preached? Wow. If you had to narrow it down to your top three favorites. Is this a trap? Am I going to sound arrogant for answering this? <laughs> we, well, everybody's got There are so many. It's <laughs> so hard to choose. Um, I'm typically most obsessed with whatever concept I'm wrestling with right now. Okay. And so when I think about things that already happened, there's a sense in which I still love them. But, you know, I, I probably love the, the one that you mentioned. Anything that refers to the fact that that I don't have a certain version of me that is waiting to come that God is going to love more. And so I even think about a message that I did one time in a series about Jacob. And the message itself was called Just Call Me Jacob. And it was the idea that I believe I originally heard from Bishop Jake, so I know is going to be a part of this conference as well. Come on. And he's a pretty good preacher. Yeah. <laughs> but he was sharing on this idea that even after Jacob's name was changed to Israel, God still referred to himself as the God of Jacob. So mm. that idea that God is not ashamed to be identified with me, I think that's a core message that I'm trying to believe every day. And when I see that light come on for people and they understand that they don't have to strive or yeah. perform, I feel like we live in such a performance culture. Yeah. You remember when the show The Voice was really big and it was yeah. new and everybody was hitting their buttons and turning around? I preached a message one time called Cancel the Audition. You've already got it. the part. Do you really? It's powerful. You probably remember some of these more than I do. Your memory is amazing. You're such an incredible student of scripture. No. But I think anything along those lines and as we were saying, some of the best messages that help people aren't yeah. the ones that feel the best when you're preaching them. Mm. Sometimes, you know, taking off your armor and sharing something that you're personally struggling with will go way further with people than your outline that was cool or you had this one-liner that people could tweet. But it's really those vulnerable moments. So sometimes a message that I walk off feeling like, did anybody get it? That'll be the one that we'll hear about later that someone will go, that thing saved my life. God wow. really used that. So I try not to just judge it anymore based off of how creative it felt to me or how fluid, but give it some time and see what God does with it. Man, so good. Um, okay, so we got this book out here. Oh. What's your favorite book that you've written? I think Crash the Chatterbox. I liked that one. It was, it was just a, a book about that, that constant battle. I mean, it's been written about so many times before, but I tried to get real about the fact that I'm not somebody who walks around with a, an automatic tape of positive mantras playing in my head. So I like being able to share with people, pull back a little bit and say, you know what, this is not going away. It's not like you come to Christ and these thoughts just evacuate. Yeah. But the idea that they can be overpowered by the whisper of God's voice. And uh, so I put a lot of myself into that book. I would say that's my favorite. Man, I love it. I love it. man. We're honored you're here. Thank you so much for being part of this, Pastor Stephen. 
Let's go out there. I love you, brother. Love you.